1: Is obvious.
0: Now, from the studios of TechGuide.com.au, Stephen
1: Fennick. Tech Guide, episode 329. Hello and welcome to the podcast that keeps you updated and educated about the latest consumer tech news and reviews. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. We really appreciate your loyalty. First time listeners, welcome. We hope you become regular listeners. My name is Stephen Fennec and I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, should we follow Tom Cruise's advice and turn off motion smoothing on our televisions? My experience hooking up to the NBN and Commonwealth Bank will finally be offering Apple Pay. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to check out the FZ1 smartphone with built-in parental controls, the Huawei app that allows deaf children to enjoy story time, and the Signet battery that can power your laptop on the go. And we'll wrap it all up with the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, Australia's number one brand of home Wi-Fi products, and also Norton, the company to help keep you and your family safe online. A huge show planned, so let's dive straight in. All right, first up, Tom Cruise is in the news, but not for any new role he's playing. He's always... We're used to watching him performing these crazy stunts that he does himself and his blockbuster films, but his most recent appearance was a little different. And what he was doing, he appeared beside Christopher McQuarrie, who was his director on his most recent film, Mission Impossible Fallout. They, they, they created a little video where they were talking about video interpolation, which is, by another term, motion smoothing. Before we discuss it, I want you to have a listen to what they said, and this, this video was posted by Tom Cruise on his Twitter account. Have a listen.
0: Hi, I'm Tom Cruise. Obviously. obviously. And I'm Chris McQuarrie. Well, obviously. And we're talking to you from the set of Top Gun Maverick. We're very proud to present Mission Impossible Fallout, and we want you to enjoy it to the fullest possible effect, just as you would in a theater. To that end, we'd like a moment of your time to talk to you about video interpolation. Video interpolation, or motion smoothing, is a digital effect on most high-definition televisions and is intended to reduce motion blur in sporting events and other high-definition programming. The unfortunate side effect is that it makes most movies look like they were shot on high-speed video rather than film. This is sometimes referred to as the soap opera effect. Without a side-by-side comparison, many people can't quite put their finger on why the movie they're watching looks strange. Most HDTVs come with this feature already on by default, and turning it off requires navigating a set of menus with interpolation often referred to by another brand name. If you own a modern high-definition television, there's a good chance you're not watching movies the way the filmmakers intended, and the ability to do so is not simple for you to access. Filmmakers are working with manufacturers to change the way video interpolation is activated on your television, giving you easier access and greater choice over when to use this feature. Meanwhile, a quick internet search should provide you with step-by-step instructions on how to quickly disable the feature so that you can enjoy the movie you're about to see exactly as the filmmakers intended.
1: Well, as you can hear from that, These guys are pretty passionate about their films being viewed as the filmmakers intended. So the issue here, just to break it down and simplify it, the issue here is that film, a film shot, it's shot in 24 frames per second. But your television screen has a higher refresh rate. So some TVs are 200 hertz, some are 100 hertz. So that's a lot of, of, a lot of frames that your TV is displaying in a second, whereas a film has 24. So what, the, what, what happens then when you're viewing high-speed scenes, high action, without this motion smoothing, you're going to see a lot of blurring. Now, in a cinema where an image is being projected on a screen, that ain't such an issue. But on a TV where that blur is a bit more pronounced because of the difference in the frame rates, uh, that is that the TV manufacturers think well we can't have that we need to make this look nicer Hence the reason why they, they introduced motion smoothing and different different companies call it different things Sony call it motion flow. I think LG their technology is called true motion and Samsung just call it I think motion plus but they all do the same thing they insert, frames into the film to smooth out the image. Now, when filmmakers watch this, Tom Cruise and Christopher McQuarrie included, and they have been joined by other famous directors, uh, Christopher Nolan, who directed Dunkirk and the the Batman trilogy, uh, as well as Interstellar. Uh, Ryan Johnson, who directed Looper, and more recently was the Star Wars The Last Jedi director, are also in support of this, where... They cringe at the fact that a TV company is inserting frames into their film, and for a lot of people, I think personally, and and I kind I notice it because I kind of know what I'm looking for. But there'd be a lot of people who are hearing this right now and maybe hearing what Tom Cruise had to say, and not noticing what what he's talking about the the smoothing of the of the motion. Uh, what what Tom Cruise refers the the the, the the problem for Tom Cruise and, and and Hollywood is the fact that adding these frames, this motion smoothing, makes it appear like the film was shot in high speed video rather than film. So it kind of takes the takes that warts and all look of the picture away and sort of adds this sort of polished, artificial look to the to the image. And they call that the soap opera effect. So I liken it to uh, some phones that offer whenever you take a selfie, they have a beauty mode. So, what you see is this smoothed out image, all the blemishes taken away. And that is what I, it, it, that's the equivalent of what motion smoothing does to a film when you're watching it on your television, your high def or your, four, your 4K TV. It smooths it out a little bit. But the filmmakers, they'd rather it look in its original state, warts and all. Rather than changing the look of their movie, Uh, it's there are some videos on YouTube, and I'll I'll try to link one in on Tech Guide where they've done a side by side comparison. I think there was a really good side by side comparison done with the film Drive, starring Ryan Reynolds. So, uh, sorry, Ryan Ryan Gosling is in that film. So, we'll we'll, that that that's kind of gives you an idea of how, in some points, it does sort of the image does harden up a little bit and look a little fake. But it's a split-second thing. The, the, the feature is actually really good when you're watching sport. Uh, anyone who's got a, a TV, watches sport, that's a lot of high speed, high action, that's kind of what the best use of that motion smoothing feature is, is for giving you that smoother viewing of your sport. Filmmakers, of course, cringe at the fact that you, that this, this feature is on by default on the TV. That, that's what Tom Cruise was saying in his video, that manufacturers just assume you want this on. So the point of that video is to to educate people if they want to turn it off that they can so that you can watch the film in its original how the filmmaker intended. Now the problem for the, some viewers I think is that they won't like the look of it without the motion smoothing it, it they'll think that I've got this you know I've spent thousands of dollars on a television and why shouldn't it look as best as it could? A lot of them, it's like, it'd be like someone saying, no, you can't use power steering anymore. You're going to have to go back to the old way. And you kind of get used to the power steering and expect it. And to your eye, it's going to look a little bit abrupt. Your sort of brain has to interpret a little bit more uh, of the of the judder rather than being given the beautiful, smooth, smooth-out image, which to the filmmakers, of course, is not beautiful. They think it's someone, uh, I think Ryan Johnson described it as liquid diarrhea, I think he called it uh, when he when he once referred to it. Said so this motion smoothing. So filmmakers are quite passionate about it. And look, if you're a true you know cinephile and you want to have that warts and all true film like look to the picture, then go right ahead. Uh, personally, I don't mind the motion smoothing. Uh, I think that if I'm watching a movie for the very first time. I'm kind of not going to pick the spots where the motion smoothing is evident, whereas filmmakers who know the spots where there's fast motion and fast action, they're going to pick it out a mile away that there's been smoothing done to the video. I suspect most people won't notice that and won't mind that. But I think Tom Cruise has put it out there, and the reason he's done it has has gained a lot more traction And we're talking about it on the Tech Guide podcast. A lot of other filmmakers have spoken out in the past, like I said, but it took Tom Cruise, the top gun himself, to really bring this to everyone's attention. And he's got a lot of support. If you Google, start typing in Google, uh, the brand of your TV and motion smoothing, and the you know how it suggests what you're trying to type, you'll find that turning off this feature will be in that, that that. anticipated response that you're typing in because so many people have followed his advice and went to look for instructions on how to turn it off. But my my personal opinion is, I don't mind the smoothing. I, I'm as, as big a cinephile as anyone. I've I've got a, a great setup at home with a big one hundred and fifty inch screen and a great Sony four K projector, and the movies on my screen look fantastic, as good as they do in the cinema. So I don't mind if there is a little bit of help making that motion, making that motion a little smoother. It does not to me does not stand out as harshly as what some people may may think but i think at the end of the day whether it's tom cruise or anyone else whatever other hollywood a-lister is making this kind of public service announcement how we watch our films at the end of the day at the end of the day how we watch our films on our TVs should be our choice but by all means try it you may not like it you may love it but again It is our choice on how we want to operate our TV, no matter what Tom Cruise or anyone else says. We paid for the TV. We're entitled to watch it how we want. We can watch it standing on our head if we want. That is our choice. Of course, they want you to watch the film how they intended it, and if you want to do that, you've got the freedom to do it. But if you want things to look a little smoother, uh, a little nicer, then go for it. It's our choice at the end of the day. But interesting, interesting little argument that it has opened up and also just made people aware of it. A lot of people I know for a fact who have no idea this was even going on. So if you do own a TV, try it for yourself. There are instructions on the web on how to turn it off, but as I said, I think you may be shocked at the difference if you, uh, you do that straight away. You may take your brain and your eye a little bit of getting used to it. It's certainly up to you, but in the meantime... Tom Cruise has gone back to filming uh, Top Gun Maverick, which uh, I think is due for a 2020 release, according to the Internet Movie Database. But his most recent film and the reason why he was making that video in the first place was to promote the release of Mission Impossible Fallout, which is his latest Mission Impossible film that's just hit digital, 4K and Blu-ray as well so there it is if you want to uh, have a look at that video as well as the uh, our story and our opinion about this thing you know where to head to techguide.com.au tech
0: guide. keeping you updated and educated
1: this is tech guide with stephen Finnick. well it's time for me to share a bit of an experience and it is me connecting to the nbn now i know a lot of you listening may have already been connected It may have gone smoothly. It may have been a horror story. A lot of you are waiting patiently for the NBN. And over the years, I've heard plenty of stories, a lot of them horror stories, on how the connection has gone, how the resulting uh, plan is for customers, the speeds, and just the general customer service. So I'm going to talk you through briefly what my experience was with the NBN. Now, I should point out that I have had, before the NBN was available in my area, I live in the south southeastern part of Sydney, and I my NBN is fibre to the curb. So fibre running all the way down the footpath, and then from the telecom, the, the pit in front of my home, then it links to the copper that comes into my house. Uh, previously, I had the Optus cable, uh, in my street, the HFC cable up on the telegraph poles. And I have to say, speeds have never been a problem. Download speeds have not been a problem. I've had 100 megabits per second many times uh, as a download speed. My issue was the upload speed, which was rubbish. It was barely one megabit per second. So I was really looking forward to... Uh, the NBN. And just on download speeds, sorry, upload speeds, a lot of people think, well, you know, unless you're uploading big files and things like that. Well, yes, that's true. But upload speeds also affect other things in your home, and that is your smart devices, especially your cameras. If you're not home and you are trying to tap into your, to view your cameras remotely, to get out that signal, your cameras need to, that is an upload, so the slower you upload, the longer it's going to take. I've noticed since I've uh, since I've had the NBN that that's completely changed. But I'll talk about a little bit more about that, uh, the result of everything, a little bit later. But first up, I was with Optus, and I decided, you know what? I'm going to give Optus the first crack at being my NBN provider. So I called him up, found out. I actually found out from another service provider, Aussie Broadband, called me. I put I put my name down on their website when it was available, to be alerted when it was available in my area. They called me the day it was available and that was in late November. So I decided well look lem you know what I told them on the phone look I'm going to give Optus the first go so if that doesn't work out you're my second phone call. So I called up Optus and they said, yeah, we're going to have to sort of transition you. And it was kind of a long process trying to work out uh, okay, yes, I want the Speed Pack 4, which is 100 megabits down, 40 megabits per second up. And it was a transition, so it was kind of transitioning from cable to NBN, and I got the feeling that Optus, this was uh, they hadn't done many of these, or the person I was speaking to hadn't done many of these. So I had to was taken through the whole setup, agreed on the speed pack four. Remember that speed pack four hundred down, forty up, and then was told I was going to be contacted within 24 hours to organise an installation time. By the NBN, so Optus have to go back to the NBN, and no call came within twenty four hours. That what they were meant to tell me was that a call would be made within five days, and it was four days later where someone called me to say the NBN are gonna, the technician's are gonna come out to your house uh, on Thursday the thirteenth of December, which was last week, to bring in the NBN connected you from the street into your house. I said, great. They gave me the 8 to midday slot, as they do. They, you know, they tell you when you need to be home. A, a person 18 years or older has to be home. And I was here. The guy came at 10.30, lovely guy. I think his name was Steve as well. And he was telling me about how many years he's been connecting phones and, and internet for people. And he came into my house, looked for the little telecom, te- uh, the, the telephone line, the little box on the side of the house. So that's the copper coming into the house, the point. And he found it, and in inside that part of my house, from where the point was, is my theatre. And the first point that he found, he said, oh, "I'm going to just check this line here." And he checked it. He goes, "Yep, there's the line." And I said, "But mate, I don't want my modem in that room. I want it in my office." So he he then came one room into further into the house, and I showed him the point. And he said, "Look, I'm sorry, it's not going to work here." because Optus have moved your line to the Optus box so my t- my first point which is all the NBN's responsibility is to bring it to the first point of your house so something to keep in mind if you've got you want your NBN located in a certain position in your home the very first point in my home which was in my theater at the very front corner of my house was where he he said this is all I can do for you to do if you want to connect your room your, your office Back with the Optus cable where it's supposed to be, the telephone cable. You have to contact Optus. So here's where the NBN's responsibilities ended, and Optus's responsibilities didn't quite reach. So I was in a position where, well, look, I've, my current Optus connection that I've been paying for for 15 years is in my office, and if I'm going to keep Optus as my provider, I intend them to. I intend that they should put that connection where I want it to be, in that exact same spot. So cut a long story short, it took a day to organise that, and Optus kindly, because of being a loyal customer for more than 20 years, said, yeah, we'll bring a techie to check it out, and they reconnected my line because the line, my telephone line, which was with Optus before, went from my office up to the Optus box on the side of the house. It had to be brought back down to the Telstra box so that it would reach into my office. They did that, and... I was connected, so i got my connection device, which then, uh, which is connected to the telephone line, which then goes out to the pit and then hits the fiber. So there's a connection device, and from the connection device, you connect the modem. Now, the, the, the guy, the techie came back the, the next day to do that, to fix it up, connected in my office, did the test. It was working. I thought, great. And so I hooked up the modem. Boom, I had a connection, and I did a speed test my speed test was about 45 megabits per second down and about 18 megabits per second up and i'm thinking that's strange it's not as fast as i ordered now remember i ordered speed pack 4 which was 100 down 40 up so i've called optus and said um this the, this is not the speed is not really right where it is and the guy sort of says okay what's your name what's your address he goes yeah you would, you asked for speed pack 3 which is 50 down, 20 up. And I said, no, I did not. In fact, I remember distinctly, I wouldn't have, I didn't do that and wouldn't have, I would have gone the biggest, the fastest connection, which is what I did. So Optus said, okay, the guy very kindly said to me, look, I'll stay on this for you. I'll call you back. We're going to raise it with the IT team, the MBN, and blah, 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 everyone else. And 24 hours later, my speeds hadn't improved, but then later that night boom it was back up i did a speed test i was getting 94, 94 95 96 megabits per second down and about 37 38 megabits per second up which is kind of which is what i was after and they normally advertise these plans as typical evening speed of this typical. I think typical evening speed of Speed Pack Four is about eighty megabits per second. So that's kind of between seven and eleven p.m. I've done tests at that time and I've into the nineties during the day, of course, and there's less people on the network. I've gotten ninety six. I think ninety six is the highest I've had. Thirty nine. I think is the highest upload I've had. So my my plan that's they're delivering what they promised. Speed pack four, which a little bit of a miscommunication. I was only down for speed pack three and I insisted, I said I know for a fact I asked for four, but I only got the three. He goes, no, it's easily rectified and within a day or so it was done. So as we stand, my NBN has been connected, but the only wrinkle I had was that the The point wasn't where I wanted it because Optus 15 years ago upsold me the phone line and moved it to the Optus box so that it could go up to the HFC cable. So if you are transitioning from one telephone service, say Optus, for example, and you're going to the NBN, everything comes in through the Telstra copper from the street. So whatever Telstra original line was there, you need to return it again. So my only gripe was I thought maybe Optus would have anticipated this issue because they knew I was a phone customer. They knew that they moved my phone line and they knew that Fibre to the Curb needed your phone line off the street. I thought maybe Optus may have anticipated that, but it was rectified a day later. Could have been anticipated before the NBN guy said, sorry, mate, I've done all I can do. See you later. And just as an aside, the the NBN guy took me out to the pit and kind of talked me through everything he's doing. He was cutting cables and doing this and that. And I suspect my neighbor came in and said, I don't have any internet or phone. I think what he did accidentally was actually cut their phone line. So if, if not, it's the world's biggest coincidence. But I think since it's since been fixed, but I, I said, look, I'm sorry. I didn't do it myself. This must've been the, the guy. Yeah, it might've accidentally done it, but, uh, Everything's been restored. My internet's working. I'm now on on the NBN and getting the speeds that I asked for. Uh, And uh, and at the end of the day, I'm happy with it, happy to stay with Optus. I, I said, look, I've been with them so long, I'm going to give them the first chance. And I'm still going to be monitoring the service. And as long as it stays to the speed and the quality that I expect, I'm going to keep them around you want to read more about my experience, you you can check that out at techguide.com.au. Well, there was a monumental announcement in the banking world last week. And that announcement was the fact that the Commonwealth Bank have finally relented and are offering their customers Apple Pay yes, it's it's quite surprising and the first response that nearly everyone said, nearly every reaction was, it's about bloody time. Every time I've written a story about Apple Pay over the years, the comments uh, usually are usually about when is the Combank going to do it? When When is this going to happen? And uh, up until recently, the only bank of the Big Four, and the Big Four I mean is ANZ, Combank, National Australia Bank, and Westpac. Only ANZ was offering Apple Pay, and I know for a fact that a lot of people left their banks to go to ANZ so they could use Apple Pay. So that was a smart first mover advantage from them. They they were they were offering Apple Pay. Have been doing that since April 2016. In the meantime, what ComBank, Westpac, and National Australia Bank were doing was applying to the Australian Consumer Competition uh, Commission, to uh, the Competition and Consumer Commission. They applied to the ACCC to act as a consortium, so the three of them together, to take on Apple to protect their micro-share of their transactions with their credit and debit cards. They wanted... uh, I think at one point they said that, well, no, if someone uses Apple Pay, it's, again, the customers to have to pay a few extra cents. To which Apple responded, nah, I don't think so. And the, at the end of the day, the ACCC actually rejected their plea, their application to apply to fight Apple as a, as a trio. Uh, and so they, they, they lost that opportunity. So in the meantime, other other financial institutions have been jumping on Apple Pay, but still no word from the big three the remaining 3 and it wasn't until last week where the commonwealth bank came out and said look you know what it's time we're going to do it so what they said and I'll, I'll read their quote one of the things we heard repeatedly from our customers is that they want apple pay and we are delighted to make it to be making it available in january 2019 so in a month Combank customers of which I am one all my business all my business accounts are through the combank so we're going to get Apple pay and uh, Bank West is also going to get Apple pay because they're owned by the Commonwealth Bank so you guys are in in for Apple pay as well so good news that Combank has finally given uh, given customers the opportunity to use Apple pay so that means you can use your iPhone or your Apple Watch to pay for things. Uh, I'm a I'm a member of Sydney Credit Union, which is part of the Cuskal Finance Group that's had Apple Pay for a couple of years, so I love going in and t- using my watch to pay for stuff. Don't even have to get your wallet out. It's really cool. A lot of people are going to experience that for the first time, being uh, Commonwealth Bank customers. And I think it'll be only a matter of days, weeks, not, I don't even think months, where Westpac and National Australia Bank will also fall into line and give uh, their customers Apple Pay as well. Because they've already given... Samsung Pay is on across all banks, uh, as is Android Pay, I think. But Apple Pay, which is used by 90% of uh, touch-and-go touch transactions, if, if smart wallets, uh, is Apple Pay. So I think they've seen the light and seen how much customers were demanding this and gone ahead and given the customers what they want. If you want to read more about that story, you know where to find it, techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This
0: is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick.
1: The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton, the company that can keep you and your family and your devices safe online. Now, you probably have antivirus on your computer and your tablets, mad if you don't, but did you know that your router could be letting hackers into your home? The router is the heart of the connected home but can also provide an entry point for hackers to attack anything connected to your network and infect your devices, steal your information and even spy on your home. And unfortunately, just password protecting your router won't block these threats. Introducing Norton Core, a smart and more secure Wi-Fi router that delivers speeds and security all in one. Norton Core, delivers next-gen Wi-Fi speeds to every corner of your home while helping to protect all your connected devices, things like computers, phones, smart TVs, baby monitors, gaming consoles, smart speakers, and much more from digital threats by helping to block them at the network level. With built-in parental controls, Norton Core also lets you set screen time limits by device or user. You can set content filters and even pause the internet across your home, or from an easy-to-use smartphone app. Norton Core, the smart, more secure Wi-Fi router, is available now at your local Harvey Norman store. Tech Guide. Now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennig. Tech Guide. First up, we're going to chat about a phone. And it'd be this time of year, I suspect, if you're a parent maybe uh, looking to provide your child with their first smartphone, then I think this would definitely be one to consider. It's the FZ1. This is created by Alcatel, who are, by the way, the new Away jersey sponsor of the mighty South Sydney Rabbitohs. Alcatel have had a stellar year, nearly doubling their revenue, and have... uh, increased their share their their sponsorship deal and are now the new away jersey sponsor for the Rabbitohs. but the fz1 which is created by alcatel is an ideal first phone for your child because it has family zone built in this is a parental control that's really easy to use easy to monitor and it gives parents peace of mind while the child while your child thinks oh how good is this i've got a phone So when a parent thinks, okay, I'm going to give my child a device, how the hell am I going to know what they're doing on this thing? It connects to the internet. Who knows what they're looking at? Who knows what apps they're accessing? Who knows how long they're using it for? Well, Family Zone allows you to control all of that. So your child enjoys the benefits of having their own phone, but parents are also empowered so they can set things like age-appropriate boundaries, they can block adult content even regulate the amount of time spent on the screen so they yes they have their own phone but the parent is still in control especially if your child is primary school age a lot of like one in three primary school children has sorry two-thirds of of primary school kids have their own mobile device 36 percent of preschoolers have a phone so there are, it's not unusual for a primary school age child to have a phone. In my household, my kids never got their first device until they started high school. So they were, they were 12 when they got their first phone because they were catching buses and they needed to be, to be able to contact me or my wife easily or ask them. So that, that's, that's okay. But a lot of primary school kids are getting them as well. So whether no matter what age your child is, the time they're getting their first phone, they're still quite young. Even 12, that's young. you don't want them accessing stuff that, that you wouldn't let them access on the family computer. So you kind of need to take this kind of uh, responsibility with their device as well. And with Family Zone, it allows you to do it. So there's an easy to use app that you can then make changes on the go. The good thing about Family Zone, the FZ1 is that the child they, they can't tamper with that. they can't uninstall it. they, they are unable to, to override it. So they're still getting a fully featured Android device, but uh, you are in control. It's, it's like a smartphone with P-plates. They're a P-plater smartphone user, and you're in control. Now, the device itself, it's got a 5.5-inch display, a fingerprint reader and facial recognition, and also has a 16-megapixel camera and 16 gigabytes of internal memory. Which is plenty for a first phone. That's actually that's really really impressive specs. That five and a half inch screen, they'll be loving that. Watching stuff, taking photos, sharing content, they'll love it. But mum and dad with family zone, you're in control. The family zone, the FZ1 is one hundred and ninety nine dollars. Comes with free shipping and a free twenty dollar Woolworths mobile SIM card. And free Family Zone protection for 12 months. Normally, it's a monthly subscription service, but I'll give you the red-hot tip. Once you start using it, you'll continue that subscription into the next year and for your next child. If you've got more than one child who are getting phones over the years, definitely worth considering. Family Zone, the link to where you can buy the phone is in our storey. And you can read that at techguide.com.au.
0: Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick.
1: Next up, we're talking about an app, a really special app. This is an app called Story Sign. Now, it's powered by Huawei's artificial intelligence. Now, this is an app designed for deaf and hard-of-hearing children and their parents. So what it basically does, it allows... We're using the power of Huawei's AI it allows the app can translate a book through the smartphone's camera into sign language page by page so that the child can still enjoy that storytelling experience now reading a story to a to a deaf child they're, they're not going to hear it they're not going to enjoy it but if you can sign the book to them they're going to enjoy it as as a a regular hearing child can enjoy it, on the move. Rather than having to read it themselves, a story can be told to them using sign language. Fantastic idea, and it's been developed. It's going gonna to be in Australia in February, February 2019, so in a couple of months' time, and it was made in conjunction with... The local charity organization Deaf Australia and Huawei Australia, they joined forces to create story sign to help families with deaf and hearing impaired children so they can enjoy that whole storytelling experience. So it makes it possible for families to to give their child that story time that they, they normally wouldn't have. Now a, an Oscar winning short film maker has made, his name's Chris Overton, he's made a film to illustrate what it can do. It's a really emotional little short movie, and it shows a young deaf girl in a, living in a silent world, and she's trying to read a book with her father, and the father struggles trying to read her the story and show her the story, and she goes to bed a little bit disappointed and then wakes up, and it's, it's Christmas Eve, so it's an appropriate time of year to be talking about this. She wakes up in this short film and finds to, to see if she, she wants to peek at her presents. She comes downstairs and finds Santa down there, and he gifts her a book, and he shows the book, and she can't. She, he he she she wants him to read him the book, but then he realizes she's deaf, and then she's he starts signing the book, and it's the best present she's ever had. It's a really nice little video that you should watch. But really, really great use of technology here. And the AI comes into effect to help with that optical character recognition, image recognition, so it can tell right on the spot what, what signs need to be made to translate what's on the page to sign language. It's this really simple idea, but such a powerful one. Because around the world, and I didn't know this, globally... There are thirty two million deaf children around the world. And in Australia, between two hundred fifty and four hundred deaf children are born here each year. So there's a lot of people that can't enjoy the things that we would, like a story read to them. A lot of unfortunately deaf people can't can't enjoy that. So this is a terrific app created in conjunction with Huawei and Deaf Australia to provide that. That Storytelling Experience. Story Sign is the name of the app. It's going to be available through the Android Play Store in February. So keep an eye out for that. I think there's going to be a free book as well that's included with the app. It's Where's Spot? It will be the book that's included, so you can sign that straight away. But then as other books are brought in, uh, or it can intelligently translate regular books that you already own. So keep an eye on that. If you want to read more about that story and also watch that amazing little short film, I highly recommend you doing that by going over to techguide.com.au. Now, if you love a charge, and, and let's face it, who doesn't? Well, this is a product you're going to be really interested in, and it's a, it's not only going to able to charge your mobile devices, which nearly every battery can do anyway, any power bank can do that anyway, but the Signet Charge Up Pro which has a massive 27,000 milliamp hour capacity, it not only has the capacity, but also the output to charge your laptop. So if you've got a USB-C uh, port on your laptop, this little baby can charge it up. And I do. I've got the MacBook Pro 15-inch. It This battery, the 27,000 milliamp hour Signet battery, can charge my laptop completely. It can charge a 13-inch, I think, 1.3 times, and it can charge a MacBook, uh, MacBook 1.6 times, yeah, the 12-inch model. Uh, so it's got 60-watt output through the USB-C. That's enough output to power your laptop for up to 16 hours. So if you fully charge, you're getting about another 16 hours worth of use, which is very handy. And it's got this onboard power delivery technology, so it can generate four times the standard 15-watt output for USB-C ports and hence make it possible to charge your laptop. Not all power bank- banks are A, big enough, and B, powerful enough to do that. The Signet Charger Pro 27,000 hour battery can do it. And, of course, it can charge up your phone. It's got the 18-watt output for fast-charging iPhones and Android smartphones. Uh, you can get about as much as 50% charge on your phones in as quickly as 30 minutes. The Charge App Pro can also completely charge an iPhone 10 seven times. A Galaxy S8, it can charge it 5.8 times. So you're never going to be left wanting. And if you've got a tablet, it can also handle that too through its 29-watt fast charging, which is suitable for the iPad Pro and all the other tablets on the market as well. And when you have to charge the battery itself, because a lot of people don't, they, they kind of forget that, then it's great having this battery, but you've got to charge the battery as well. And the good news is that it charges quite quickly as well. It's, uh, one, that's one feature that other power banks have sort of overlooked. It's fine to have a battery that they can charge devices, you know, two, three at a time, but it takes like overnight for it to charge up completely. But with the, uh, the Signet, that's uh, it's pretty quick. You can fully charge the battery in as, as little as five hours, which is actually quite fast, considering how big the battery is. Remember, it's 27,000 milliamp hours, which is huge. So under the hood, though, you've got high-density lithium polymer battery, so that helps keep the device thin and light. It's not too big. I describe it as the size of a paperback novel. See the little paperback? It's about that big but a little bit thinner. It's a thin paperback novel. Also got... uh, Signet has also released, by the way, uh, on top of the charge-up battery, they've also released their armoured cables, and these are kevlar aramid fiber cable so they've tested for bending and just total resistance to abrasion and flexibility so in other words a cable you can use every day it's got these stainless steel tips so there's scratch resistance and they actually look quite nice too so well worth checking them out as well because cables are actually one of the hardest working items we've got they're with us everywhere they're charging here they're charging there they're in our bag Pulled out of our bag, charging again, bent here, used in the car. They do work hard. So it pays to have a good solid cable. And that's exactly what you're getting with the Signet armoured cables. But also don't forget to check out the Signet 27,000 milliamp hour Charge Up Pro, which can charge up all your devices, including your laptops. Don't leave home without it, I say. I'm certainly going to be taking it with me. Uh, there's been many a time where I uh, couldn't find a PowerPoint and wanted to keep working on my MacBook Pro and wasn't able to do it. Well, now with this battery, I can be working anywhere and nowhere near a PowerPoint, which is great news for all of us. You want to read more about that story, check that out at techguide.com.au.
0: Keeping you updated and educated. This is
1: Tech Guide with Stephen Finney. Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Netgear, Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. And they're the company behind Orbi, the award-winning system that makes your Wi-Fi faster and takes your Wi-Fi further. Albi Wi-Fi systems are designed for any size home, large or small, from apartments and lofts to single-family homes and sprawling estates. No more dead zones, no more black spots, just better Wi-Fi everywhere. And for those times when you need a little more, Albi also offers add-on satellites to give you additional coverage inside and out, perfect for backyards, garages, or even the granny flat. In today's modern household, Orbi's tri-band Wi-Fi system lets you stream your favourite movies in 4K and play online games by providing ultra-fast Wi-Fi no matter how many devices are connected. Orbi plugs into your existing modem and is really easy to set up with just a couple of clicks. And not only does it work great, it looks great too and blends into your home's decor. Orbi's the easiest, fastest, most expensive, sorry, most expansive and advanced mesh Wi-Fi network available today. Most expansive not the most expensive. For more information, visit netgear.com.au. Orby, better Wi-Fi everywhere.
0: Tech Guide. Now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide help desk.
1: We've got an interesting question in the help desk, and this is, I like this question because this, a lot of people will benefit from this information, and this gentleman contacted me and said, look, I've still got a really nice old stereo. The amps still work, the speakers are sound great, and he just loves this system. He says, problem is, I want to be able to use it with Spotify or Apple Music, and he can't stream out of it. It's an old system. There was an internet probably wasn't even thought of back then when this system was put together. He said, how can I stream music through my system and through my speakers? My reply to that was, it's actually quite easy, using Chromecast Audio. So all you need to do is plug in Chromecast Audio into the auxiliary input on the stereo through the amp or wherever it happens to be. And then suddenly the stereo system is connected to your Wi-Fi network. So now you can cast your music to the Chromecast Audio which sends it through the auxiliary input and plays it through your speakers. So if you've got your phone, your tablet, your computer, you can stream music now to that older stereo system. So you kind of bring in that older stereo system into the 21st century with a $59 product, the Google Chromecast Audio. You've heard of Chromecast, which allows you to cast video to your TV, so Foxtel now, all these other things, uh, YouTube, whatever you want. But Chromecast Audio, it does that for audio. So you can stream, cast straight to the uh, Chromecast Audio on your older system and hear your beautiful speakers playing modern streamed music through your smartphone or your tablet or your computer. Really easy to do. And uh, we've written about the Chromecast Audio before. You can read that story at techguide.com.au. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is the end of our show and it is also our last show for 2018. We really appreciate your support throughout the year. We really do love the fact that you listen every week and we wish you all, we want to take this opportunity to wish you all a happy and safe Christmas and a prosperous new year. Our next episode will be in early January before the Consumer Electronics Show. We'd also want to give a special thanks to our sponsors uh, who've stood by us for the year, Netgear and Norton, and we encourage you to support the companies that support us. Thanks for listening. We look forward to you joining us again in a couple of weeks. So until then, stay safe and stay connected.